Welcome back to Obscure Broadcasting's podcast, Famous Last Words. We are in the midst of our 31 days of horror, and uh, we are talking about, from 1976 today, The Omen, directed by Richard Donner. The movie stars Gregory Peck and Lee Remick, uh, and a bunch of dogs, <laughs> and a creepy kid, mm-hmm. played by Harvey Stevens. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Had you seen this movie before? I had a very long time ago when I was a kid. It's funny that like the horror elements there, there's definitely a thread here, right? Oh, who are you? Oh, I'm Teresa Alden. Oh, and I'm Andrew Alden. Uh, And what I was saying was, is in the seventies, it seemed like a way to get, or like a a device that helped really drive. Like they came at this. And it's funny. We were talking about this in, when we're talking about deep red is movies that are constructed almost like a detective movie with horror elements. Mm-hmm. And this movie definitely had that going for it, right? It, like it, the, it was a lot of the movie was Gregory Peck and David Warner um, cruising around Europe, putting together clues. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think we read that like this movie was inspired by brought one of the Italian. Oh, Mario Bra- Bava, Bravo. yeah. So Italian Giallo director. Yalo. Yalo. <laughs> um, we talked about this genre um, in a previous episode, but basically we in this movie watching journey are actually discovering how many American films have been inspired by this Italian move, like horror genre. And so we also read that this film was also inspired um, by one of the, the cornerstone directors of that genre. And so that makes sense that this would be partially a detective film and actually they're when they're doing a lot of their sleuthing they're in italy Mm -hmm. yeah they are and so it's so funny that um you know you think about these movies from the 70s like you think of the exorcist so 1973 is the exorcist then this is in 1976 the omen and there was definitely it was definitely a period where america was struggling with its identity in a way Uh, i feel like uh you know you have a Coming off the heels of the the Vietnam War and and the the counterculture movement of hippies and and you know the sixties were super challenging times and and the the waves of that were being emanating out and I think a way that movie you know a way that movies were kind of responding to that is trying to get a return to Christian values a a return to like you know what you know a, you know trying to like basically scare people back into uh. A world where things were where were similar and basic, and if we let things keep on going crazy, things are going to get bad. And I mean, because you know, The Exorcist—I know we're not talking about The Exorcist, but The Exorcist and The Omen both pushed people to go back to church and rethink their faith, and and that people who were religious or like you know non-practicing Christians and Catholics became more Catholic, at least for a period after these movies came out. Yeah, which is weird because, like, I don't think that's what they intended at all. I I feel like it was a commentary on religion and, you know, possession is such, like, a fascinating part of the bizarre myth of Christianity. Um, but I don't, I really think it was more a commentary on the Christian values not to push people to church, but, like, people were so scared of it that they ended up doing that. I mean, this is just a speculation. I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but it's just a, I mean, I don't know 
personally, I don't think the omen is as nearly as scary as the exorcist. Um, but I don't know when it came out, maybe it was in the same rank of, you know, terrifying possession films. Yeah. This movie, and I don't, I don't want to get hung up on comparing this to the exorcist, but this movie is not as frightening as the exorcist. This movie plays more on atmospheric, uh, chilling, thrilling kind of vibe. It's really interesting because I feel like the movie that this movie, as a movie from like as a filmmaking standpoint, this should get compared to more is The Changeling, less so than The Exorcist in a way, because I think like The Changeling from a filmmaking perspective owes a lot of its what it was trying to do to this movie, which is that you get a star that's kind of past their prime, and you offer them a comeback vehicle. And so this, the omen had Gregory Peck, who had kind of, you know, not, not been in a lot of movies and kind of semi-retired and wasn't really accepting roles anymore. And they sent him the script to the omen and he took it, uh, as a way to kind of deal with his own trauma from his son committing suicide and probably for, you know, a end up getting a really big paycheck from it, which probably helped. Um, then with the changeling, George C. Scott, another, you know, brilliant actor had been in Patton. Did it did that movie and it kind of created a comeback for him and, and garnered a lot of uh you know a lot of awards and and, and praise and a big paycheck because they got back end and, and I think that there's a, there's a formula there to try to get a bygone star to star in your movie to kind of reignite them their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know I I think back to the horror of the Omen. I think it has a lot of little subtle things I think that are pretty scary. It's not as in your face, although the deaths themselves are pretty gruesome, but also really well orchestrated. Like, I think they were very much approaching an X rating. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, in the 70s. So they had to like, for example, the um, the photographer character gets beheaded in a very <laughs> well done <laughs> way. Um, but they had to limit the blood they didn't have any blood because if they had blood it would be x-rated mm-hmm. and so they show like red wine spilling instead yeah it's i think sometimes the, the uh you know limitation is the uh, essence of invention or whatever that quote is you know what i mean like i think they found ways around it mm-hmm. and uh the beheading thing i mean i can't think of a good beheading in a movie i mean I, I, that's probably as close as i would get because i actually really like that beheading it's i mean it's a little cheesy yeah i mean you have to go with it because it's like 70s special effects and cheese but like all of the deaths while we were watching it made me go like yeah the priest's (laughs) death the priest with cancer and he's running around and he can't get in and Mm -hmm. and then the spike comes out of nowhere that one there's something visceral about that one i mean obviously it's supposed to be but there's i you know every death every person that gets a comeuppance in this movie gets it in a in a brutal brutal way i wonder if and i don't remember from watching it because i didn't pay attention to it but now thinking about it i wonder if gregory peck is ever in a developed photograph because if he's ever in a developed photograph that the journalist takes there would be some sort of marking on him right that he gets shot Mm. you know so yeah i don't know maybe at the birthday party or something maybe at the birthday party maybe you know worth rewatching. um i thought it was a really well-directed movie i thought uh Richard Donner, who is known for the immortal Christmas classic Scrooged, uh, <laughs> among Superman, and he did a lot of he did a lot of movies. 
I thought it was a well-directed movie. I thought the casting was well. I thought the woman that played the, the first nanny that hangs herself, also terrifying. Mm. That might be one of the scariest parts of the whole movie is because it's the first horror thing and she's like super influenced by the son of the devil, Damien, and she's just like, Damien, I did this for you. And then she like hangs herself at this ch- child's birthday party. And right. This is pretty terrifying. It's funny because... At the time of watching this, I bet you there could have been more debate other over whether Damien, if you take it, well, that's the thing if you read the trivia and listen to like commentary about it. If they take out the second nanny, it's all being perceived by Gregory Peck, right? If you take out the second nanny who like kind of like is like, I'm yes. here, I'm here, Prince of Matlium, whatever. It's. It's yep. it's all it's all in Gregory Peck's head, which is in my mind that's the movie that would probably get made today if this was an original story. I agree. I think taking out the woman, the second nanny, would make it much more ambiguous because she's like super creepy and like, oh, I'm here to protect Damien, so she's obviously like a disciple of the devil. If you take her out, and then it just becomes a story very similar to some of the other ones we were talking about. Um, like Dark Water and Tale of Two Sisters where like there's this whole insanity portion like is this person really experiencing these things does he really like does his is his son actually the son of the devil or is he just insane and thinking that way and then he's like at the end of the movie about to kill his own son I think that would have been much more powerful yeah and I think yeah I think it would have been more powerful it would have been way ahead of its time it's not bad by any means. I thought, you know, the movie has a lot of hype or, uh, you know, that it's garnered so much history to it. And you always hear about Damien and like, you know, all those things that go into that. But um, that would have been a more interesting movie. And it also would have definitely played on the like intertextuality of Gregory Peck, who played, of course, his most famous role as Atticus Finch, who is like the, the patriarch of, you know, American ideals and upstanding mm. citizen. And then you have him play someone who's going to literally kill his kid. Not dissimilar to how Atticus Finch went from who he was in uh, in To Kill a Mockingbird and then the follow-up to that goes set a Watchmen where his character has kind of become like this old racist and he's you know, kind of like subverting expectations of beloved characters. Mm-hmm. Well, before we end this, I just wanted to ask you what you think of the score because it did mm. win an Academy Award. It did, yeah. Yet... I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Chanting Latin gets tricky. Um, uh, so the the chant there's lots of Latin, there's lots of singing in Latin. I get what they're going for. That's, they're going for something biblical. They're going for something bigger, larger than life. I love the composer Michael Kamen. I think some of Michael Kamen's scores are some of the best scores in cinema history. Think about Die Hard, the score to Die Hard, or you think about Iron Giant. He, you know, two of the movies, two of his best scores. Um, I'm also maybe a little biased because Michael came and won one Academy Award and was nominated like 30 times and it was for this movie and he didn't even go. <laughs> um, and a lot of the teachers I had at Berkeley were, worked for Michael Kamen, like mm-hmm. his sound editor or his arranger and like a lot of them had roles for him. And so I learned my, for me, my personal history was learning about films going from the disciples and workers of Michael Kamen. So I'm glad that it won him his Oscar. It didn't age super well. Yeah, I feel like it's just very, very over the top. And like we've said in other episodes, like in some ways it distracted from what was going on. And, you know, it was just like so in your face. But 
I do think maybe part of the reason why maybe he won the Academy Award was one of those like, well, he deserves it for his overall career or because he did do something very different. I mean, the Latin chanting, I feel like had never been done yeah. in a horror film before and it was kind of creepy and very elaborate. So I think sometimes they give Academy Awards for like inventiveness. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, cause I'm like, in the late 70s, scores were kind of becoming, there was a movement of the scores moving towards like less like classical music sounding. And this is very classical music sounding in its like approach widely. And so they, I think they occasionally love to give nods. I mean, they give the best picture one year to the artist, which is not the best movie they ever made, but it's a silent movie and mm-hmm. it's a tribute to the history of the genre. So I, the Academy Awards love to give Oscars occasionally to people who have inventiveness and pay homage to what's come before. Yeah, which makes sense. And I appreciate that. But I just wanted to I just wanted to ask you since you're a film composer. I do do it occasionally. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for listening. My name is Andrew. And I'm Teresa. Take care of yourself. Thanks. <laughs>